0: All right, how's it going everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders where we're talking founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today I'm very excited to be talking to Gina Ryan who is the creator, the co-founder of Layla Wellness. Gina, welcome to the show, how's it going?
1: Hey Matt, it's good, how are you doing?
0: I am doing fantastic, thank you for asking. I'm very excited to be on with you. I'm looking forward to learning about what you're working on. And I mean, with that, let's just kind of dive into it. What is Layla?
1: So Layla is a female-founded, female-led femtech company with an an intravaginal ring fertility monitoring device and app. Very simple. Um, Insert it the day after menstruation, similar to a a tampon or menstrual cup. Wear it for about one to two weeks um, until the app says you've ovulated. Then you remove it. Um, and then the app tells you, you know, when your fertile window is, when your peak fertility is. Um, there's no need for a prescription, uh, no need to remove it during intercourse, no daily testing. And yeah, we're just trying to help women build their families and making it less stressful, less time consuming, and just taking the guesswork out of getting pregnant.
0: I think that's awesome. I know that is. I know plenty of people that have had challenges in the area, and it's just anything that can that can make it easier is best. I'm curious. Um, going back to the beginning, what gave you the inspiration to to co-found this company? I guess where where does the idea come from?
1: Yeah. So it's, we are we have an interesting story. It was kind of I mean it was kind of an oops actually um I was joking with um we were in Arizona State University that their innovation open last week and we were out to dinner with a bunch of the other entrepreneurs and we we're talking about how a lot of these stories it's just kind of an oops <laughs> but um you know I was in physician assistant school at the time and my cousin um and co-founder Joni Aoki um she was applying for medical school and I got this email about this program called Bench to Bedside at University of Utah. It's this like medical innovation program. And I was I like, forwarded it to her, and I was like, hey, this looks like something that could be good, you know, on basically to help you get into med school and on your application. And um, so we we're like, okay, let's do it and just see what happens. Um, So then I called up um, a pharmacy student, Young Hong, and I had worked with her during physician assistant school and asked her to join the team. And we were all kind of just like, okay, now what? You know, What are we interested in? Because the whole point, the whole goal of the program is to find a health problem and then find a solution for it. So we were just talking about like, what are we all passionate about? And we were all passionate about fertility. And, um, for myself, when I was trying to get pregnant, um, with my second daughter while I was flying physician, physician assistant school, um, I had a pretty like strict timeline, like super tight. I was like, I've got to get pregnant and you know, it's got to fit in this window and all this stuff. So I worked really hard, figured out, did all my research was like, I'm going to get pregnant really fast. And we did, but, um, we had a miscarriage and, you know, along with all that, craziness of a miscarriage, um, my, my timeline was like just totally gone. Um, and the, it was just rough. It was just a tough, tough time. Um, but the whole process was just so hard. It was way more complicated than it needed to be really inconvenient. Um, I, I was just learning, trying to learn, but also get ready for PA school. And, you know, I it, it just felt like it shouldn't be this hard you know, and I shouldn't have to test every day. And, you know, why am I spending so much time doing this? Um, and the current tools that I was using, it was just, they just weren't good enough. They should be better just with the technology these days. And um, so while I was in physician assistant school, I realized, yeah, it really, you know, understood kind of the physiology of everything a lot better in a different way from a medical standpoint. Um, it just kind of prepared me to kind of figure out a better solution with with um, Young and Joni and so we came up with a. our goal was a simple convenience supportive solution and then we won the grand prize at the competition it was fifty thousand and then it was kind of like here's fifty thousand dollars um and that's it we have started basically building the hardware for it from then so
0: well that was actually going to be my next question. It it's pretty common you know of all, everyone has an idea, right? Everyone's like this is annoying. I want to I, I you know I, I want to build an app to solve it. And no one <laughs> actually knows how how hard it um the, the really important part is which is execution. And this is something, you just said the magic word, which is hardware. Hardware, that world is very different from software. For people listening that don't know, um, in my opinion, it's, it's harder. Hardware is harder right. uh, in my, um, I, think, I think most people would agree. So I'm kind of curious, how did you, I, I mean, you have this idea and now you're doing it. Do you mind sharing how you started executing on it? How did you build the hardware? How'd you recruit the team to do it?
1: Right, hardware is so hard. And I mean, we have hardware and software. Um, and the software does not, like, I feel very comfortable that our software is going to be fine, like, I'm actually great, you know, like, no, I really don't stress out about the software too much, it's, the hardware has been really tough, um, and coming from, so my background's really, you know, my physician assistant studies, um, I have a master's in nutritional sciences, so I've kind of like a Lifestyle behavior change type background. Um, but then I have a master's in computer information systems. So I have, I am much more like software familiar. Um, and I know about kind of applying tech to kind of, I guess, like just in terms of health informatics and solving problems and things. But har- actually building the hardware, I am not an engineer. None of my team members are engineers. Um, so that was kind of the missing piece. Um, so really, I mean, I just kind of jumped in and um, there was this is crazy. So we this is so what I learned was with sensor sensors, there's specific engineers, and there are special engineers for special things, and they're very specific, and you have to find the right people and it's just not like oh this guy's in engineering school like just talk to him it just doesn't that's just not how it works so what i actually ended up doing was i saw this um one of our advisors sent us this article about a team at MIT and they were creating this pill that you swallow and it detects blood in the gi tract the gastrointestinal tract um in real time so it like tells tells you through with bluetooth like hey there's blood in, like in these locations so I actually just figured out who their electrical engineer was and I emailed him <laughs> and he emailed me back and I, he was in Boston, he was at MIT. I went to school in Boston and I just happened to be going there. Like so much of this is just about luck being in the right place, but also being persistent and just exploring every avenue possible. And I emailed him, he emailed me back and he was like, yeah, I can meet with you, you know, this time while you're in town. I met with him. He was so helpful I took him through the technology and he was like, this is doable. Like, this is actually like, this exists. You can do this. You know, you just have to find the people to do it. So he sent me up with some local um, analog. De- so he worked for a company called analog devices and he set me up with their local like sales managers, just kind of account managers. And I met with them and they they were like, what can we do for you? And I was like, I'm looking for an engineer that specializes in in sensor, these, this specific sensor and impedance sensors. And they were like, we know a guy. They knew a guy <laughs> and met with a guy, Mike, his name's Mike Elwood. And um, he's done, he's been in medical device development for over 25 years. And He's built an impedance sensor in the past for another medical device, and that's kind of where it started. So then from there, I was actually interviewing a ton of engineers. I was looking, you know, all the way from just you know single engineers to like huge companies, and the we ended up going with a mechanical engineer, not mechanic or mechanical engineering work. We ended up going with um, kind of a small to mid-sized engineering firm called BPI here and um, local to Salt Lake and they could do everything but they're really expensive we did not have the funds so we um but we really loved like just loved them like when we met with them it was like yep this is these this is the team for us and um it just felt right um, so even though they were more expensive I was like you know in my head I was kind of planning you know, I don't know, my vision of developing the hardware at the time was, all right, I'm going to have this specialized sensor, Mike Elwood, engineer, develop the specialized sensor, and then I'm going to move everything over eventually to VPI to finish it off. And that was kind of the plan. Um, And when I mapped it out, I was like, okay, I think we, you know, if we raise a small seed round, we can, we can do it. So, um, so that's what we did. Um, Mike Elwood, Um, just finished his part of the sensor literally like I had the meeting today like the handoff to VPI. VPI did all the mechanical design and then we actually met this company um, you know during our search for for companies to work with um, Megaforce Medical. Um, They're out of Taiwan. They're awesome. They've been with us from almost the beginning that summer after we won. grand prize and they've done the silicone so they're super specialized in silicone um, and they've really helped us with kind of the silicone components and then um, over the course of this time we were kind of getting electrodes off the shelf and it became very clear that we really were going to need custom electrodes and this was the hardest part i think or not the hardest but one of the hardest challenges i had was finding a company that could do what we needed to do for the price that's you know for a price that was affordable and we found i think i called ugh, maybe 30 companies and um we found like five that actually could do it literally had the technology and and the manufacturing ability to do it and out of those five we selected one of them in particular we had met with a couple of their metallurgists and and they were very impressive and they were seemed to be right on the same page as us and they were really helpful and that's you know who we went with i mean it's surprising how much free expertise we've gotten really to be honest it's kind of crazy um, but i mean it's 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 super tough hardware is super tough So yeah, so now I've got a bunch of, I don't know, pieces to put together. So I'm kind of trying to combine them into, we're going to have VPI finish things off. Um, Duran who's our electrode company, they're going to do the electrodes. And then we'll do, once everything's ready for assembly, like assembly line manufacturing, we'll have Megaforce take everything over.
0: Wow. The, the thing the biggest thing that comes to my mind after you saying all that is the word agency and uh and the, in this sense agency being like like high agency aka just like getting shit done and not not waiting for things to align and not not waiting period you literally just have this idea and you just execute it on it and that's kind of what happens to get founders they figure out a way to figure it out um yeah so that's awesome i'm curious uh you mentioned in there that you, you said something about it. So you said that you won a 50, the 50 grand for a um, for obviously the, the competition. Did you do all of this on that 50 grand or did you raise to some uh, you raised a seed round, which has gotten you to where you are now, which is fantastic. Can you kind of give me an idea of like how, how that like what has gotten you here on that side?
1: Yes. So this is kind of this is kind of a fun story. So we OK. So after we won the 50 grand. Um, we ended up applying for another competition the following January and it was called Opportunity Quest at University of Utah. University of Utah actually has amazing funds for students like just opportunities if you can win them but um, we entered this competition called Opportunity Quest and we won the grand prize there it was five thousand but it got us um you know, just some traction, and and it was good. But then we applied again for Bench to Bedside as a legacy team. We weren't eligible for the grand prize, but we were eligible for the legacy prize, which is twenty thousand. And we just got really lucky that the year we applied happened. They happened to have this like new award, and it was the Fred Lynn Propolis Award. It was for innovation, and that was twenty thousand. And we won that, so that was another twenty thousand. And then, um. And then we raised another a seed round. We raised a small family friend round, and that was a hun, about a little over 150 thousand. And that's what's getting us really. And then, well, and then we won another five thousand dollars through um, a small pitch competition called Give Academy, which is local over here. Um, and then we got a three thousand dollar grant through iCorp's, and then we got another $5,000 kind of pro bono grant through the base camp at um, our law firm. And um, what else did we do with Ballard Spar? And then I think that's everything. Oh, and then last weekend or last Friday, we won um, 25,000 in engineering services from Silsync. And then another $25,000 from um, just um, cash, Tom Prescott just kindly you know like we won it as part of the prize but that's like 50,000 that is probably going to get us to the like through all of hardware development so yeah
0: that's the man that is awesome like what a what an awesome just thing to hear the fact you have this you have a founder who understands resourcefulness and you just get the money that's equity free when you, when you can, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, I mean, do you, do you even like, with all the sources and the superpower it sounds like that you have of, of getting cash when it becomes available? Um, do you even have a plan? I, I don't know if this is a fair question, but are you planning on just coasting on that money for as long as you can? Like do you even plan on going to VC in the future? Or how do you, how do you think about, about financing when you'd be able to like, just get all this free cash, uh, because of, um, the company and you you pushing it forward?
1: Yeah. So I think it's tough, right? So when we started, um, my other co-founders were in school full time and I was kind of the only one that, you know, could immediately just start working. Um, but of course, you know, like you get burned out and then, Um, fortunately I made it just to the summer of, was it 2019? So last summer and, um, Joni, my cousin was able to, um, go full time. She finished her pre-medicine classes and thank goodness she could go full time. The timing worked out, we closed on the 155,000 with family friend round. Um, we were able to kind of pass on a lot of those CEO fundraising kind of, um, roles, role to her. And then I was able to focus on product development because we were actually developing our app at the time. So that I was designing that. And, um, we had found our software development team, which took a lot of time and then just working with them and and getting that made. Um, and so I think with all that happening, we really were just, you know, since we had two of us full-time Working and I wasn't even full-time at this point. I had picked up like a one to two day a week job um, as a PA just to bring in some money and um, We felt we could probably make this work for a little while Um, and then now our plan really it's kind of I think we're kind of at a crossroads here. So um, Joni got into med school, which is awesome I'm super happy for her, Um, but she starts this summer. So we kind of have a little, we're kind of, you know, our strategy is a little bit changed. So I think it's interesting. So we kind of have two two roads we could take. I think we could take the VC road, raise um, two to five million. Five million would get us to market. Two million would get us to FDA um, kind of registration. And we could kind of be like, all right, we're going to go full VC. We're going to build this huge company. We're going to scale fast and, you know, push this out. Or we could, and, you know, that's going to require bringing in a big team, like a lot of talent, like we're going to need a CEO that's got a lot of, you know, experience with hardware, but also direct to consumer, bringing a product to market, you know, that whole market marketing, you know, we need all that or we could kind of go kind of the angel route do a smaller raise or just raise if we can 5 million to get us to market and not ever not raise again if we go the vc route i know we're going to have to raise again and maybe again and just keep you know scaling bigger and bigger if we go the angel route i feel like we could raise 5 million and get us to market and not have to raise again be a smaller company probably you know, timeline would be different. We wouldn't be having to fundraise so much. and it'd be more of like a lifestyle company. I don't know. I mean, I think we're kind of at a crossroads. Um, we got to decide what to do. Um, it's tough. You know, I think this is like our baby. We've built this and we've got all these resources to do something with, but I think, I think there's, two different paths we could take right now. And it's kind of not sure, you know, I think, yeah, I don't know, but I am not in the driver's seat anymore. I'm literally, I'm focusing on product development and um, you know, um, yeah. so that's, you know, I mean, I provide obviously advice and, you know, I'm managing partner, you know, the whole structure, but right. in reality it's like, I know, we need to bring in an external CEO, no matter what, just, we need, we need that. I can do product development, but, you know.
0: Well, it's actually, it's kind of funny that you say all of that. The reason why I think it's funny is because about a year ago, I was in a similar position with with obviously a different type of company, and I called into Jason Calacanis' podcast to talk to him about it, and it, <laughs> and, he, so, and he gave me advice. So I'm, like, so pretty much his advice to me was, you know, you can play in the, you can play. He he categorizes it like big leagues and minor leagues. Both of them are fine, but it's just what they are. In the minor leagues, you can you can you you have more control. You'll probably be able to make more money. But if the big leagues are knocking and if that's an option, are you really going to say no if the Yankees are recruiting you? That's pretty much like his frame to me. It's funny because I, I ultimately – we actually raised money from him. We went through his accelerator and we like took the big leagues. Unfortunately, it didn't really work out. The big leagues wrecked us. Um, <laughs> so it's not really a happy ending. But just for a little – con, just I don't know. That was helpful advice for me. Um, I'm, I, uh, but I'm curious for you, so you've already come so far doing something that you haven't already been doing. You're probably just learning on the fly. I mean, how, how are you, like you said, two years to, for FDA approval, five years for, 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 for to get to market. How do you, do you, how do you know these things and do you have advisors or how, how, do, how are you learning to build a hardware startup?
1: Yeah. No, I mean, I have so many mentors, so many advisors, like, I mean, I, you know, you get the opportunity to meet a lot of people and I take every opportunity and advantage of asking people questions, um, based on their background. And it's like, you know, and I, I think I just, I ask so many questions. I just ask, and I think I've learned to really just listen um I'm talking a lot on the podcast though but usually you know I ask a lot of questions which is probably it's I mean you ask a lot of questions so you're curious I think you're just a natural question asker which is awesome and you probably learn a lot that way a lot more than someone else would if they're not as you know inquisitive um but yeah I mean you just you network and you're out there and you know people connect you and it's amazing how I think in the entrepreneur world you know how hard it is and if you can help others you just you connect people and um I've just I met some amazing people just through all of this um and I've gotten so much just free advice not all of it has been good but a lot of it's been you know awesome um and it's really just taking all that advice um and figuring out what makes the most sense um and then doing a ton of research and a lot of reading and and I mean, it's crazy how much there is to learn. And just, I think, too, one of my strengths is knowing what I don't know, which sounds so weird, because how do you know what you don't know? But there's certain things that it's like, I know I don't know enough about this particular area. And so that's when I when I know that, like, I know that I need to find an expert in that area to make sure that I'm covering it, that that's covered, and I've explored it, and I'm not missing something. Um but I think that's that it that is really how we've gotten here. I mean I just I've learned a ton. It's crazy. It's crazy how much I feel like I've learned yeah. I it's rapid, rapid learning. I just
0: can't keep up. It's 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 something that I don't think people that haven't started a company um can understand. It's not necessarily if you in my opinion, if you succeed or fail. But just going through the actual process and being a practitioner and doing it will teach you a million times faster than learning it in a book. Even if it doesn't work out, which is which is pretty much what happened to me. But I now know, like I know how I know how it works, you know. And obviously, there's blind spots and stuff. But I'm not I, I'm not gonna get the the, the the experience that I got by reading a book. You know, you gotta live it. You gotta live it, and that's exactly what you're doing. So one thing in regards to learning how to run a company, one thing that I still don't feel like I have down yet, and it sounds like you have it down far more than me, is understanding uh, resource allocation and resources being money and resources being time. So I'd love to go back to when you won that first 50 grand. How did you know what to do with it? And let's take you forward to you know, the most recent money that you've won. How do you know what to do with money now? Do you have a framework in how to deploy your cash?
1: Yeah, so when we got it, it was just kind of like, what do we do with it? And I'll tell you, we sat on that. I mean, even though we were actively out there trying to raise money, like we, I think we were so scared to spend it. Um, and it, it was just because, I mean, this none of us have ever done anything like this before, and we were given this gift, and I think we were just so scared to spend it. <laughs> But, um, you know, so we really tried to do it ourselves, um, and we still, like, you know, just to, we were running so lean, um, and I would say now I know I have, like, my huge timeline, like, my Excel spreadsheet with, like, a ridiculous number of tabs, and my Gantt chart, which I didn't even know what a Gantt chart really was, because when I, like, did my master's in computer information systems, it was, like, so long ago, it was, like, pre-Gantt chart, probably, and so now I create this, like, Gantt chart with, like, my milestones and the timeline, and then I have my, like, finances on, the, you know, the side, and when we're going to need the money, or when we plan to spend it, or think we will, you know, and so now I know how, to, how we're going to spend our money if we have it, or how much we're going to need and when, and then, you know, so I think, I don't know, I'm kind of one of those weird organized people, and, like, crazy organized um, and I think my mind just worked well for planning like planning is probably i just i'm a planner, and so and playing with Excel spreadsheets and Gantt charts, I think was just you know something I just kind of somehow i don't know it's like i just knew knew what to do. I don't even know, yeah, but um, yeah, I'm a planner, so when I think about things i in everything I do, I just think about, you know, what the goal is and the vision and then how to get there or how I'm and going to get there. So.
0: And if you don't mind me asking, I hope this isn't poking, but you, you mentioned, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes ago that at some point you'll need to get an external CEO because, I mean, because for whatever reason, I'm curious, why, why do you feel that way? Um, just, you seem quite, from my perspective, quite capable to me at figuring it out. And that's kind of what CEOs do um so i just if if you don't mind going into it like what what makes you thinking uh that the best option for the company would be bringing someone external
1: in yeah i mean i have a i i could kind of bridge us like I just know if if we want to be big right so for me, I know that there is only so much to my abilities in terms of how fast i want the company to grow and how how and whether or not i'm going to be able to grow as fast as i want the company to grow in terms of filling in this role and and same with like fundraising like with fundraising you know if we bring in somebody that has the network and the connections already i mean we just it would speed up the process quite a bit like right now we don't it's not so imperative that we have you know, a connected CEO until we're starting to like really aggressively fundraise Um, because right now we're doing like product development. Um, So I think it's really just kind of the scale, like scaling up quickly. And um, I feel like once we take VC money, you know, we're going to be expected to spend it very fast. And, and I'm just with hardware, you know, it it just takes time. It's a different type of thing. Um, and I, I worry that I worry that, you know, it'll get neglected. Um, and, and I think I need to focus on hardware development to get that done so that we actually have a product, you know, to sell. And, um, if I, if we can find somebody that can do the fundraising and do the marketing and, um, and you know get us on you know have a vision and get us there Um, because I also have to do the software um, and the app development as well so I think and we have a great software development team um, but I'm just pretty sure we're gonna need you know I'm gonna unless we go slow like if we decide to go a little slower I think we could do it and we may not have a choice you know, cause I think we just, you know, we're going to be pretty picky about who we bring in, but yeah. So, I mean, I think I could do it if I needed to. Um, I've, I've kind of filled in kind of the gaps of like wherever we kind of needed. It. It's kind of like, I'll just fill in, but, um, but yeah, I mean, we may not find one. I've kind of come to accept that, but I think we're going to try and see what happens, but you know,
0: well, I have something extremely corny to say. I think you have found one, and I'm looking at her. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, honestly, I mean, I obviously, I'm not in your company. Like, I, like, I, know as much as what you've just told me. Um, but I, in my opinion, I, I would give yourself maybe a, your future self a little more credit. Because the CEOs aren't supposed to know how to do it all. They just are supposed to know how to hire the people to do it all. <laughs> um <laughs> but um I I I understand where you're at. Um it's actually kind of interesting because I um it's interesting that you say like when you um we'll kind of get away from this topic. Um, but I I wanna I wanna focus in on like how you think about fundraising because something that's really interesting to me is you know, I would say I like mentally spend mo- most of my time like in Silicon Valley circles, like with the podcast, and I visit sometimes, and I just like I have a pretty decent network up there. But I live in Phoenix, Arizona, and I and I and I and I am around a, a different league, in my opinion. So I so it's just I, I talk to startups in San Francisco, and they're like, "Oh yeah, like we're pre we're pre product pre revenue, we're going to raise 5 million and we already got all you know whatever." And you got the almost the pure opposite. Um, everywhere outside, at least, at least people that I talk to, and people in Arizona, maybe Utah, you know, wherever, they're like, "Oh, like that's impossible for us. Uh, it's like very hard for us." Why? Do you mind sharing, like, why, why it does fundraising seem so hard for you personally? It's hard for everyone, but I'm trying to get at like what makes San Francisco different from literally everywhere else, and how can we get some of that, like, whatever, into the rest of the country?
1: I know. You know, I'm not sure. What I think is. You know, I think maybe the investors in San Francisco are just more, I mean, accessible, I guess. Um, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's hard because, you know, people tell, tell us like, you know, we're female founders. So then they're like, Oh, only, you know, 2% of female founders get VC, you know, capital or whatever. And, you know, being a minority, it's like, Oh yeah, yeah. That's even worse. And it's like, Okay, you know, like what kind of shot do I really have here? Um, and we have been told in Salt Lake, they, they, t- like we have been told by several people, they're like, you're gonna have to go outside of Salt Lake to, you know, if you wanna raise two to five million. And, and I mean, and I think we're prepared to go on the road, you know, we're prepared to get out there and, and go beyond Salt Lake to raise the funds if we need to. Um, I'm not sure. It's interesting. You're right, because people from San, like San Francisco, like advisors that are not from Salt Lake, I'll say like, oh yeah, you know, like we're gonna raise like, you know, two million because that's kind of our strategy right now. And they're like, well, how much is it gonna get you? To, like, how much do you need to get to market? And I was like, well, probably like five million. And then they're like, well, why don't you just raise five million? Like, just bring in an external CEO and and maybe they'll just fund it. And I was like. Well, that would be nice, you know, if we just brought someone in to completely fund five million. Um, but I'm not sure why it seems so much harder. I don't know. I, I feel like it's just hard. Um, because I've been listening um to this podcast, um, I think it's called The Pitch. Have you heard of that one?
0: It's so funny. Oh my, you keep going, but I i have a, yes, I've heard of the pitch and I'm actually done a version of that on this podcast.
1: <laughs> I, I did see that. I was like, this is awesome. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. I love that they follow up. Like, I love hearing about how it goes. Cause you think the pitch goes so well, they're going to close. This is awesome. And then they're like, oh yeah, we didn't end up, you know, getting any money in the end from that. And I was like, wait, what? Um, so I think, I think it just seems hard, you know, for, for everybody. And maybe in Silicon Valley, it's just more of the culture of like, yeah, you know, startups can raise like, you know, you know, what's weird. $5 million just seems like that gets everybody to market. You know, it's just like, why did I even do these calculations? I should have just, you know, 5 million. It's like, seems to be the, just the magic number. It's probably actually more like 10 million since, you know, they're like, Oh, just double what you think it's going to be. but yeah, I'm not it's, sure why it seems so hard. It's much harder.
0: I think it's because everyone, not everyone, that's generalization. Most people that have found a decent amount of success in San Francisco, I say SF, I just mean that in general area, st- stay in that area. And when they leave, they go, chances are they go to an LA or New York. And if they don't, there's not enough of other people like them that they kind of lay low or they kind of like don't do what they did in San Francisco. And the mindset literally doesn't get anywhere else. I'm like, I'm over here in Phoenix shouting at the rooftops about like just things that are super normal in San Francisco. And here they're just like, fuck off, Matt. And we're <laughs> like, ah, so it's, I've actually, um, it's something that it, there's something there. The fact that, I mean, I think you're an impressive founder. I talked to a lot of impressive founders on the podcast, but but because they're not, they're not like, in the, it, what I call the inner circle, it seems like fundraising such, I'm just like, it shouldn't be that, that hard, but it is, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have an answer either, but it's something that's interesting to me and I might build a company around it. We'll see it because like, it shouldn't be so hard.
1: I know it's, I think it's just, there's so many entrepreneurs and there's so many great stories. And I think, you know, you really, you probably want to, like, if I were a funder, like if I had enough money, like I'd probably want to fund everybody, you know, it's like, but there's just not enough money to do that. Um, and and I get it. They have to look at like who's going to be successful and they've got their own kind of fund in terms of like, oh, like 10 years, I got to meet this and not all of their like investments are going to work out. And they're just, you know, I. so I, I get, I think they're under a lot of pressure too. So they're making decisions based off of, you know, whether they can survive, you know, with their fund. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think I heard a statistic and one of my mentors told me like the majority of, um, founders they get funded are like first time founders. And which is interesting because, because I was talking to her about bringing in an external CEO and how like, I want them to have like done this before and, you know, bring in their own funders and fundraise. And, um, and she told me, she was like, first time founders are, you know, that's the majority of the people getting funds. And I was like, Oh, how does that make sense? Like, I just don't know how that makes sense. But, um, yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, yeah I, yeah, I would, I would agree with them not about the, the funding. I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. Let's assume that it's true, but I, I do think that, that there's something about being a founder, like, in my, so in my opinion, with for whatever it's worth, like, I'm not like the most successful dude in the world, but like, you know, I, I've seen, I've seen stuff and I talk to founders all the time. And in my opinion, like VCs want to bet on founders and help founders become CEOs. Like they don't expect the founder to be like, oh, you're not like a CEO type person yet. We're not, you know, it's you. And the founder is the one that can tell the story is the co-founder is like any of the founders can tell the story the best. Um. And I don't know. I I am not going to pretend like I know what it's like to start a hardware startup because I sure as hell don't. But you've already gotten this far, and and you I, I I just I feel like you just have this high agency that like allows you to get what you want, and that could also mean getting talent that you want that you know, and that talent doesn't have to be the CEO. I mean, I, I, get, I mean, I, I just, th- I feel like you aren't giving yourself enough credit and maybe it's just because you got advice that you should, you know, whatever, but I think you should be the CEO um, oh. for, for whatever, for whatever, for whatever it's worth.
1: Oh, thanks, Matt.
0: <laughs> yeah, no problem. Well, I have a couple more questions for you. I feel like this kind of flew by, um, which is good. I love when conversations fly by. So my second question, the second to the last question is, Let's say hypothetically, you do raise money, you take it to the moon, and it goes as big as, as as it can get. What is the vision? What does the company look like in a decade or two? And uh, if it if it if it works, like how big could it be?
1: Yeah. So we kind of envision Layla as being like your one stop place for to get pregnant. You know, like right now it's kind of like oh, let me um, buy my test strips and. Let me buy my progesterone strips and let me buy my thermometer and let me, you know, buy this kit and my pregnancy test. And it's kind of like splat, like all over, you know, no, oh, and then it's like, oh, let me get my my weight loss app because, you know, weight loss is gonna help me get pregnant, and let me get my, you know, other exercise app and let me get this app, you know, and I feel like you you were just managing women's health and getting pregnant in like five different apps and all these different products. Um, so I think we really see it as the a, a simple and convenient like one-stop shop. Like all you have to do, open your Layla app, use the ring, and it's, that's all you need. Um, and we actually, our goal is to kind of get the customers while they're trying to get pregnant, and then we'll hold on to them and retain them um, over their whole lifetime. So in the future, we are hoping to build out the app. So it's like, okay, you've got your, this is my fertility app, but then I'm pregnant. So you go into your pregnancy app and then you go into your postpartum app and then you're like menstrual cycle, just monitoring because, you know, nothing's going on and then you get pregnant again, or, you know, all the way down to like menopause and your data is all available to you. So all the data you're putting in, it's all in this one app system of umbrella, I guess, of apps and you're not having to open up different apps and be like, oh, did I put this data in this one? Or did I put it in this one? Or which, you know, year was I using this? And it's just kind of with your whole life. And um, and then eventually, we are hoping to kind of expand the use of the kind of ring model. Um, so that, you know, that could also play into the whole like lifetime kind of different phase of a woman's health. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the vision. Um, very much in the future um, but we do want to provide support and as well because just with trying to get pregnant in the struggle it's kind of it's lonely it's a private intimate thing like we don't share it I think we're sharing it more but you know it's something you just kind of want to be private about sometimes and um, and so you know I, a supportive community where you're kind of protected um, is something we also want to provide too so.
0: And to make that all happen, it's going to, you're going to need a lot of help from employees, from, from, you know, from whoever, but you also got people listening. that are probably inspired by your story. They want to help too. So my last question on the forward thinking founders podcast is how can the forward thinking founders community, uh, has a lot of forward thinking founders, How can the community help you if someone's listening and they want to, um, help out what's an ask that you had for us?
1: Yeah. I mean, just get the word out really, you know, like thanks for having me and um, you know, on the show. And then really if there's just anyone out there that shares our mission, interested in connecting, like really just reach out. I mean, I feel like the most important thing about building a team is finding awesome people. And, you know, even if you're not like, Oh, you're exactly what we need um, in this particular thing, you know, we, if you're awesome, we might have a place for you, you know? Um, and we just don't know we do, but, you know, or And if someone wanted to,
0: if someone, you know, like what you were saying and, and they want to get in touch, do you have a website? Do you have an email? How can people get in touch?
1: Yes. So my email address is Gina at LaylaWellness.com. So it's J-E-A-N-N-A. So it looks like Gianna, but, or Jenna, but I, and I answered anything close, but it's, it's Gina so j-e-a-n-n-a at layla l-a-y-l-a wellness.com and then our website's just laylawellness.com
0: boom well thanks for coming on really appreciate it like the conversation and wish you best of luck on all your endeavors i'm super impressed with what you've already done and i'm sure you'll keep going with shining colors so thank you so much for coming on i appreciate it
1: thanks matt thanks for having me